Hi, welcome to Lambert Park Church. Our vision is life with God for the world. Our mission is to invite everyone to follow Jesus with us through redemptive community, intentional discipleship, and everyday mission. We're so glad you're here. Stay tuned for the podcast coming right up. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Simon. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Let's try it again. Good morning, everyone. And I'm expecting everyone online. I I hope you responded and said good morning to the TV. Uh, I'm so excited to be preaching for you this morning. Uh, Last time I preached was back in Christmas, uh, during Christmas time, and it was Chelsea and my five-month mark of being in Victoria, and now we're coming up on one year. Can you believe it? One whole year here. So, uh, yeah, it's awesome. So... And I just want to say thank you all for welcoming us with open arms, and especially thank you for not ripping the Oilers' flags off my car in the parking lot. I know some of you have seen that and thought of it as an eyesore here at Lambrick the last couple weeks. Um, But my wife and I are especially excited that come August, our baby will be growing up here in this amazing community. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Now... As you can see, uh, what I'm wearing today, I'm taking advantage of this whole living on an island thing. Got some tropical-themed shirts that I love wearing. Uh, I love the ocean here, uh, big fan of the ocean, how green it stays during the winter, the flowers, the peacocks, uh, and I especially love the summer when you can just walk and everywhere you go, there's a blackberry bush that's just ripe for picking. I love it, it's awesome. Um, It's one of the things that I also loved uh, about living in the Bahamas when my wife and I were missionaries down there. It was a a haven for fresh fruit, so many different kinds of fruits, fruits that you'd never hear of before, like sea grapes. Has anyone here heard of sea grapes before? Probably not, right? Oh, Mason, my nephew has. There you go. Um, Yeah, so we had a sea grape tree right outside the place that we were living down there, and you could just, kids would come from the community, and they'd just be picking the grapes off the tree. It was awesome. Uh, Our next-door neighbor down there, he uh, had a watermelon that they bought from the store, and they finished eating it, and they chucked it in their compost in their backyard, and lo and behold, a couple weeks later, they had a watermelon farm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in their backyard, so they were giving away watermelon, so we got to have fresh watermelon as well. Uh, and one of our youth's parents down the road, they owned a coffee shop, and in their backyard was a banana tree. I had never seen a banana tree before, so it was so cool. Uh, but the best part about living in the Bahamas, the best fruits, were the mangoes. The mangoes, the fresh mangoes. Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the fruit we buy at the grocery store here or anywhere, really, uh, unless it's grown locally, uh, they actually pick the mangoes before they're ripe. Most fruits they pick before they're ripe, and then they send them hundreds of miles. So the fruit you get is not actually at its best quality. Uh, The mangoes here that we get, they're like sad little things compared to what you'd find in the Bahamas. Like, the Bahamas, the mangoes are huge. They're huge. Uh, And the best part was that my wife and I, uh, we used to go with uh, another family, and we'd go on a boat to a stranded beach 
uh, and we'd sit in the warm ocean water, and we'd eat mangoes together. And they were so stringy, they'd get stuck in your teeth, which is a little bit annoying, but it was worth it. Uh, and they were also juicy, and so juicy that when you bit into it, the juice would just go down and just fall all over you. And that's why you'd eat it in the ocean, because then you can just clean yourself up right away. Um, so no mango that you could buy here in Victoria will ever compare to the mangoes in the Bahamas. Uh, now this, this whole story about fruit and me bragging about the Bahamas has no relation to my message this morning. I just wanted a chance to brag. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there is a connection. Uh, and here it is, here it is. Uh, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, which is what we're gonna be talking about this morning, is it possible that we sometimes settle for the store-bought fruit or the decorative fruit instead of the real stuff, instead of the real stuff? Paul says in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not an exhaustive list, but they're pointers. Now, I've fallen for it, and maybe you have before as well. When you read that verse, you set out to become more of those things, right? You want to be kinder. You want to be more peaceful. So, say you want to be kinder, you go buy your wife flowers and chocolates, and you come home and you give them to, the, uh, to your wife, and she's so happy, and then you go to bed that night and you wonder, okay, is this it? Am I kind now? <laughs> Do I have that fruit now? <laughs> As if like just checking things off a list will get you there, right? Um, I mean, have you ever encountered someone who is so saturated with God's life that they're just refreshing to be around? They're just so refreshing to be around? As though the fruit like gentleness and peace just radiates from their innermost core outwards? Have you ever encountered someone like that? And you know they're not just checking things off a list and saying the right things in the moment. They're genuinely and authentically that way. That's just who they are. I've encountered people like that. I could name lots. And after, I can't help but look at my list of ways to be more fruitful <laughs> and just frown because it seems so superficial. I was just checking things off a list. I want the real thing. I want it to just flow out of me naturally. And so the question is, well, how do we get there? How do we get there? How do we get to the place where these things just flow from our inner selves? Well, that's what this series that I get to start us on this morning is all about. Now, the title of the series is Fruitable. Now, say it with me. Fruitable. Fruitable. Uh, not fruitful, fruitable. Now, if you're wondering, why on earth would you call it fruitable? <laughs> That's not a word. It sounds like a children's snack or something. Well, you're right. It is a children's snack. There's a children's snack called Fruitables out there. Um, <laughs> but there's a reason for this title. There's a reason why we named it Fruitable. And my hope is that you're going to leave here today convinced, like me, not to be fruitful. Not to be fruitful, but instead to be fruitable. Fruitable. But before we dive into it, I'm going to invite you to pray with me and let's invite God into this conversation. 
Heavenly Father, this here, right now, is a moment of intersection. Your word promises that you are a God who speaks, and even though in this busy world we don't always take the time to listen, we want you to speak here and now. So open our hearts, our ears, our minds, to understand and embrace what you want to say. May it be a timely and relevant word for us, and may it stir your spirit in us to act. So Lord, as we jump in, I give myself to you as your mouthpiece. I ask that whatever it is you want us to walk away with this morning, I ask that it would not be my opinion or my thoughts, but your everlasting truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's passage, it comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 23, but before I read it for you, I just want to give you some context, okay? So as a youth pastor, you come to expect, in every group that you lead, a few troubled kids, trouble kids, okay, trouble kids. You know, the kind of kids who break the air hockey table. I'm looking at you guys. (laughs) Or the kid who pulls a pickle out of his sock and chucks it at you while you're teaching. <laughs> so the church, this is youth ministry. Uh, the, the church in Galatia uh, was Paul's troubled child, okay? It was a troubled child. And I say that because in every other letter that Paul writes, he starts the greeting, or he starts the letter with a greeting and kind words and, and thanks. He's, I'm so, so thankful for you. But in this letter, the only letter that he does this, he skips that part. (laughs) I'm thankful for you, thank God for you. He just goes right to the point (laughs) and starts pointing out all the things, right? So, see, what was happening uh, with Galatia, uh, since Paul had brought them the gospel, you know, how Jesus is the Messiah, God's son who took on flesh and died for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God, that gospel And he left, so he brought that to them, and he left. Now a new group had come in, and they started poisoning the well and introducing a different spin on what Paul had preached to them. Now you have to understand that when Christianity first started, it was the first, the very first multi-ethnic religious movement in history, one that embraced all ethnicities. And although today Christianity is often criticized for being exclusive, in its historical context, Christianity was radically, radically inclusive. Radically inclusive. So much so that the controversy in the church between Paul's gospel, the true gospel that he preached, and the new group's false teachings were actually an inevitable, inevitable situation And I like to think of it as almost necessary growing pains within the church movement. See, you had Gentiles who are non-Jewish people, non-Jewish origin, and then you had Jews who were now Christians, all mixed together, being told to live as one family together in unity. So this other gospel that the Galatians 
had started believing came from a group of former Pharisees, Jewish Pharisees, the religious police of Jesus' day, who were now saying that any non-Jewish person who wanted to become a part of this new Christian family had to be circumcised and they had to strictly follow all the Old Testament laws because that's what the Jews had done before. Because that had been the norm for centuries. Now I'm sure if Paul could have typed out this letter, you know, had the technology, he would have typed it in all caps. All caps, okay? Because he's basically saying, what? (laughs) That's not the gospel, right? He had someone come report this to him, what's been going on in Galatians. That's not the gospel. Jesus is the only one who justifies us. It's not about following all of these religious laws anymore. Jesus did it for us. And there's no need for Gentiles to follow the Old Testament law anymore because of one word that Paul repeats over and over in his letters. And that word is grace. Grace. But that same word, grace, also stirred up confusion among these early Christians, which is what made them vulnerable to these false teachings from this other group. See, what Jesus accomplished on the cross was this huge shift in people's understanding of what it meant to be a follower of Yahweh. The question was, if we've been freed, like you say, Paul, if we've been freed from the law and trying to win a relationship with God ourselves because Jesus has done it, as long as we continue to have faith and trust in him, then what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? Do we just do whatever we want now? What are the rules? Give us rules. (laughs) Give us five steps, (laughs) whatever it is. And that gets us to Galatians chapter five. So I want to read it for you. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up, but we're also going to put it up on the screen behind. So in verse 13, Paul starts and he says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Free from what? Freed by Jesus from the exhaustion of following all these laws in pursuit of God's acceptance. And he continues, he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire Old Testament law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out for you will be destroyed by each other. Be no more unity. So I say walk by the spirit and then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary, what is opposite to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, spirit of God, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, 
factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now here's the most important part, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, these things, these fruit, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. For Easter weekend, a couple weeks ago, Chelsea and I, or well, Chelsea went back to Calgary uh, to visit her family, and I was a bachelor for a couple days. I got to be a bachelor. It was great. I mean, I missed my wife dearly, but it was great. <laughs> and I used that whole time to uh, rewatch every single Star Wars movie <laughs> and eat chocolate. I don't think I ate any vegetables or fruit that whole weekend, just chocolate. And I think I, I got one of those like oven, you can just put in the oven, the ribs and stuff that you can buy at Savons. Um, so in Star Wars, okay, who, anyone here a big fan of Star Wars? How many of you? Yeah, quite a few. Okay, so in Star Wars, there's this constant war between the light side and the dark side of the force, right? Now, obviously, here in this passage, Paul's not talking about some obscure energy, okay? He's not talking about the force in that way, right? He's talking about a person. He's talking about a someone. And the war component, though, in Star Wars is actually kind of in this passage a little bit. See, the thing is, is there is, there is a war going on in me and in you. A war between the sinful flesh, the part of us that wants to do our own thing our way without care of consequences, as long as it doesn't affect us. And then the Holy Spirit on the other side who has made a home in us through faith in Jesus. There's a war between the two, this new life that God is calling us to and the old life of sin. And in a way, Paul lists these fruit that we just read, the fruit of the Spirit, as evidence that the Spirit is winning the war. You see that? You see that? That the Spirit is winning the war. That's what these fruit are. It's evidence that the Spirit is winning. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love how right after this, I don't know if you caught this, Paul says, against such things there is no law. <laughs> there is no limit. You know, like, like as if you look at Jerry Brower over here, okay, as if you looked at Jerry and you said, sorry, Jerry, you and Wendy are too kind. You're too kind. Dial, dial it back a bit, okay, Jerry? <laughs> dial it back a bit. <laughs> right? No one's going to say that. That's, that's not what we want. Why? We want more of these things as much as possible uh, in our own lives. This is what our world needs. This is what it means to be truly human, truly human. But knowing the destination and getting there are two different things. And here we are, stuck in the middle, amidst this war. 
Now, unfortunately, the danger is, is that we respond either one of two extreme ways. And these were the two extremes that Paul was dealing with back in his day, and it still happens today. On one hand, you have those who are going, rules, more rules, please give us rules. It's all about the rules, checking off the list, right? And on the other hand, you have those going, nah, Jesus did away with all the rules. What are you talking about? Freedom. It's all about freedom. Do whatever you want. Jesus has forgiven you. And these two groups, they still exist today. We can see them in ourselves, we can see them in others, all over the place. Chances are we probably subconsciously lean towards one another, whether we realize it or not. Now, I like to call these two extremes the do-it-alls versus the sit-backs. That's my terminology for it. You've probably heard legalism versus license, but that sounds boring. So the do-it-alls and the sit-backs, okay? You know, Paul says in this letter, it's not about doing it all yourself. And it's also not about just sitting on the sofa watching Netflix, you know, doing whatever you want, not caring, and just thinking God's just going to make these things happen in your life without you doing anything, right? So you can see these two things. It's actually both. It's both. On one hand, okay, on one hand, bearing fruit or being fruitable isn't a passive thing, it's active, it's active. Does anyone here remember uh, the Juicy Fruit commercials in the 90s? How many of you remember the Juicy Fruit commercials? A couple of you? Exposing your age here? Okay, here, check this out. Get your shined up, grab a stick of juicy fruit. The taste is gonna move ya. Take a sniff, pull it out. The taste is gonna move ya when you pop it in your mouth. Juicy Fruit. Some of you moved more during that than you did during worship. <laughs> now, I, I love the line, right? And we've all got it like ingrained in our minds as children watching TV. The taste is going to move you, right? The taste is going to move you. Now, you probably didn't know this about Juicy Fruit, but uh, when they first started out as a business, they actually did a study to see why teenagers chose to chew their gum. And the teens responded. It was actually really interesting. The teens would respond and said that they felt energized when they ate the, the, or chewed the gum, and it would help them do their homework or whatever other activities better. That's what they said. And so they came up with this tagline, the taste is gonna move ya. It's gonna move ya, it's gonna energize you, so eat as much gum as you want, right? <laughs> so, so when we talk about the active part of bearing fruit, it's kind of similar, right? Now, no, we don't chew the Holy Spirit. We don't chew the Holy Spirit. Don't take that from my message, okay? But pay attention. Pay attention to the similar kind of active language that the scriptures use, okay? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul doesn't say chew, but he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Some other fruit there. Clothe yourselves. Again, in the Galatians passage, I don't know if you saw it, in verses 16 to 18, he says, So I say, walk, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And in verse 25, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Clothing, putting clothes on, walking, 
keeping in step, chewing, <laughs> all of them entail some sort of action on our part, on our behalf, right? And intentional, intentional obedience and loyalty to Jesus, pursuing him, actually doing something. So that's one side. On the other side, bearing fruit or being fruitable is also something we can't do by ourselves. I remember back when I was 19, all those years ago, 19 years old, <laughs> I remember coming home from a shift at Starbucks, I used to work at Starbucks, and I was in probably my first or second year of university, and I was on my way to becoming a pastor. And I was done going through all the psychosocial moratorium stuff, and I knew who I wanted to be. I wanted to be like Jesus. I wanted to be a follower of Jesus. I wanted to be more like him. I wanted it to be evident in my life that I was a follower of him. But I was experiencing this deep frustration with myself, because every time I went to work, I found myself joking and talking with my coworkers in ways that I felt like I was compromising the person who God wanted me to be. And in this one instance, and I've shared this at youth group, they've heard this many times, I, I was teasing one of my friends, because that's what we did as co-workers, just tease each other, and I took it way too far, and even though she didn't say anything in the moment, I found her in the back crying, really hurt by what I said. Now the frustration was real in me, and I'd sit in the parking lot, I did this multiple times, where I'd sit there before my shift, or during my break, I would go to my car, and I'd listen to worship music, and I'd pray, and I'd say, God, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Can you just stop me from doing these things, and saying these things, and being this way? This is not who I want to be. Where are you in this? I remember I came home one night, uh, a really low point, probably the lowest point I'd gotten, the most frustrated, and my mom noticed. Good for moms, hey, they're so good, they just know. <laughs> and she asked, she asked, what, what's wrong? And I told her how frustrated I was with myself and how no matter how hard I tried, I would set out to be kinder, gentler, better Christian, and I just felt like I was taking steps backwards and doing things that I knew I shouldn't be doing. And I remember vividly, she just smiled at me, and she said, Aaron, you're 19. <laughs> you're only 19. God's not done with you. God's not done with you. See, the thing is, is fruit takes time to grow. They don't just appear on the tree. It doesn't happen overnight. And as much as we don't like it, there's nothing that we can do to speed things up. As much as you watch those YouTube advertisements or see those, you know, brochures or wherever you get your advertisements, they, they you know, that, oh, the, your plant's going to grow if you just use this, you know, put coffee beans in your soil or something like that. Maybe that works, but there's nothing like that when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. You know, take this tree in the corner. I know online you can't see this tree, so just imagine one, okay, in your mind. But take that tree or that plant in the corner there. Whatever I do, nothing is going to make this tree grow fruit right now, you know. Nor can you just sit there and just go, be more kind, be more gentle. <laughs> That's not going to work, right? It's not going to work. It doesn't work like that. And so if we take a look at this tree, what what makes it fruitful? What makes it fruitful? Just imagine the fruit on it. The sun, the nutrients in the soil, the water, yes, all those things. But you can have the sun, the soil, the coffee beans, the water, all those things. Yet if it doesn't have life in it, it won't grow. 
If it doesn't have life in it, it won't grow. Take a look at John chapter 15, verses one to four. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. Verse three, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Why? Because as Jesus says, he is the life. He is the life. All the fruit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are the fruits of God's life in you. It's the fruits of God's life in you. See, on one hand, these fruit describe God's relationship towards us, towards you. They describe who God is in his essence. And on the other hand, this is the way that he wants us to be towards one another. He desires us to be towards one another the way that he is towards us. Loving, gentle, kind, good. So yes, there's required action on our part. But if it's left there, then all it is is an appearance of being kind, gentle, good. Like decorative fruit. It doesn't flow from the core of who we are. But with God's life at work in us, these things are naturally formed. God gives us a new heart where these things become a part of who we are. So bearing fruit, it requires action. We have to abide, we have to walk with, we have to clothe ourselves with, but it's something that we can't do just by ourselves. We need him. Which is why this series is not called fruitful, it's called fruitable. Fruitable. If I were to tell you guys as you left here today, go be fruitful, in there there's this seed of misunderstanding because to be fruitful sounds similar to go be productive. Go do it. Put more effort in. That's what it sounds like. With fruitful, the onus is on us. The onus is on us. But with fruitable, I think it captures this both-and nuance that Paul tries to make in this passage. It's not about doing it all. It's not about sitting back and letting God do it all. It's about making room for God's spirit to work in us. That's what it's about. Putting ourselves out there to be fruitable. Surrendering ourselves, keeping in step with his spirit, and putting ourselves in places where God can do the work of making us gentler, kinder, more loving. Do you see the difference there? 
How do we make room? That's probably the question that is stirring. Well, how do we make room? By digging into God's word, by praying, by finding ways to serve, by integrating yourself purposely further into this community here, this community of believers. All of those things count as making room and space for God's work and God's life to be evident in you. So as we come to the close here, I want to say two things to make clear about what fruitable is not, okay? First, it's not something that happens overnight. Like mangoes in the Bahamas, it takes a while for them to grow, and the patient pay, patience pays off in the end because you have this beautiful fruit. It's not picked early. You wait till it's just right, and then it's the most sweet. It's the best you could possibly have. And then second, so that's the first one, and second, these fruits of the Spirit are also not individual fruit for individuals, now, I want to make that clear. It's not individual fruit for individuals. You know, a tree doesn't grow fruit for itself. <laughs> it doesn't eat its own fruit, right? Nor is the fruit of the Spirit about intros- being introspective. It's actually about the corporate community that you're in. God's life is at work in you, but it's also at work here in the church, among other believers. And it's here within the context of community where we find the perfect place not only to enjoy the fruit that's being made evident in our lives, but also to pursue together, to usher one another on, to build each other up so that God's transforming grace would be evident in our lives. And outwards it goes starting in you, radiating through the church, the community of believers, and then outwards into the world. Until one day the divine infection that started with Jesus infiltrates the entire world and all things, all things are infused with the life of God and made new again. That's the gospel. That's God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So as I close this morning, I invite us. God invites us. Let's go on a journey in these next few months and explore the way that God wants to infuse his life into us. Maybe there's a fruit, as we read today, that you're like, I really need that. I need to be more like that. And you feel God's spirit prompting in you even now. Or maybe you're not sure which fruit it is that God wants to produce in you this upcoming season. But you're ready. You're ready. You're willing. Wherever you're at, the invitation is for us to respond with yes. Yes. So I hope those here and online that you're excited for what God is going to do here in these next few months as we lean in together and seek to be a community that is not fruitful, but what? Fruitable. Fruitable. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. God, we are your people. Jesus, we are your body right here in this room. We are your hands and feet filled with your spirit to bring your life into this world. And so as we enter this new summer series, may your grace be at work, refining and correcting us, healing and transforming us. Lord, I ask even now as other speakers, our very own brothers and sisters, prepare their messages on each of these fruits. 
I ask that you would guide them in your truth and bless them with your wisdom. We know you have placed and are placing a needed word for us on them, even now as they think through these things. So prepare us each week to hear your voice and respond. Have your way in us, God. Strengthen us. Help us become fruitable. Not for our own sake. Not so that we can go, look at me. But so that people would look at us and go, look at God. We thank you, God, for your sustaining grace and healing love in our lives. May your word to us this morning be like a seed planted in our hearts, bearing its beauty and transformative power in our lives as we keep in step with your spirit this week and beyond. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.